Hey y'all, I'm Gretchen Purser and this is The Mess Is Mine, the podcast where we talk about religion and politics and all the other stuff that you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. Thanks for stopping by. Hey y'all, I sure did miss you. Thank you for your patience and uh, and sticking with me and, and being with us today. And I apologize for my lengthy absence. I wasn't really intending to take a hiatus. And then I got a little bit sick around Mother's Day, like with the throat thing, which weirdly was not COVID, but they tested it like a million times. Um, and then I just kind of got into summer and, you know, kids coming and going and whatnot. So um, I am back now and want to talk to you about several things today. I'm excited to be back. First thing I want to talk about is news avoidance, which I think I was suffering from. Second thing we're going to talk about is um, not my strongest subject in high school, but something I have become increasingly interested in, which is science. And I also want to touch on the Olympics real quick. Uh, We're going to do a definition for you, and we're also going to give you, as always, some pushbacks. So it may not surprise you to find out that I'm a little bit of a self-diagnoser. And so when I kind of wasn't anxious to come back to the podcast, I'm like, what is going on in my head? I really enjoy this. I really like this. And I realized it's not the talking part. It's the research part (laughs) that I didn't like. And anyone who knows me will know that that's true. Talking is never the problem. It's knowing what I'm talking about. So yeah, I have to read an amazing amount of news to kind of boil it down to like the 12 minutes of things I want to talk about. So I was feeling like that news was dragging me down and there's so much bad news. And I really want to be positive on these casts as best as I can. And so I was realizing that I'm suffering from something called bum, 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 news avoidance. Um And so there's a lot of people in America that suffer from news avoidance. And I think a lot of them actually are sort of your moderates and people who just don't like getting bogged down in what's going on. 65% of the people who don't consume news regularly, and I'm not talking about like a news break, which is what I have, but people who just don't pay attention to the news don't do it because it kind of negatively affects their mood. They feel like all the news is bad news. And there's good reason for that because, you know, hey, everybody, nothing's going on today. That doesn't do much for ratings. So our parents, you know, would read the morning paper and then watch the evening news and then they'd have their lives to themselves. But no, not us. We're inundated all day long with crisis after crisis on social media, on our phones, on cable news. Everything's screaming at us. Breaking news. And I've heard people in the mental health field compare this to like caveman days when you would get a big boost of adrenaline because you were running from a lion. But the problem is now if you pay attention to the news at all, you're always being chased by lions. So the net result is the happy, sane people check out and the unstable, angry people check in. You can see how that math doesn't work, right? People like Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson working 24-7 to make sure everybody's really angry all the time. It's called learned helplessness, and it's especially bad with older folks because they don't feel like they have the power to do anything about it. It's like if somebody said to them all day, every day, have you heard from your ungrateful family today? Aren't you feeling lonely? It's toxic for the consumer, but it is ratings gold for the Sean Hannity's and the Tucker Carlson's and the Anderson Cooper's of the world. You know, this isn't news. It's not even really presented as news. It's it's entertainment. It's opinion television. It's designed to fit into the narrative that you already that you already subscribe to. That's why you like it. That's why the rhetoric gets crazier and crazier because they're feeding the beast. And the fact is, most of those people don't even believe what they're saying. Looking at you, Tucker Carlson. 
And if you doubt the demographic, look at this. Look at the commercials that they do during these breaks. You've got Wilford Brimley, or at least not too long ago. I don't even know if he's still alive, but he was selling catheters. You have Magnum PI going, would I tell you to do a reverse mortgage if somebody was trying to take your house? And then you have him trying to sell like gold doubloons or something like that because can't be too sure. Always good to have a stack of gold sitting around. Pushback number one. If you have somebody in your life that sits around watching outrage news all day, please stop them. Cancel the cable subscription or maybe just permanently tune their TV into Andy Griffith or maybe Murder, She Wrote. I mean, because you know, no matter how bad things get, you know Jessica Fletcher is going to get to the bottom of it. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I digress. As far as the other 35% of people who don't really like to consume a lot of news, a lot of it's because they just don't know what to believe. They don't trust anything anymore. And a lot of that's because of both misinformation and disinformation. And I want to kind of go over a definition of this real quick. Misinformation is just wrong. It's when you're mistaken. It's kind of like at the beginning of COVID when they said that the virus could live on plastic and cardboard and paper and glass and it could live for weeks and weeks. But now we know that's not the case. They were just wrong. That's what you would call misinformation. Disinformation, on the other hand, is also misleading, but it's intentional. It's when you say something that you know not to be true and you do it for political purposes, kind of like propaganda. Could sound something a little bit like this. That's going to go away. When you have 15 people and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero, it's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we're in it. So let's get into it. Um... Next stop, science class. So we plugged along with just regular old COVID for a while, and then we got our first variant, which was the Alpha variant. Then we had a Beta and a Gamma that you didn't hear much about. Now we're on the Delta variant, and we're hearing a lot about the Delta variant. There's also a lot of concern about a Lambda variant that's in a foreign country. What happened to Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Iota, and Kappa, you ask? I don't know. But I would like to give a quick shout out to the Oklahoma Betas of Pi Beta Phi for my knowledge of the Greek alphabet. Now, we don't know too much about the Lambda variant. We know a lot about the Delta variant because that's the one that's getting everybody so, so sick in this country. But this is just to illustrate to you how many times this virus is mutating and how quickly it's mutating. And it's mutating because we didn't eradicate it when we could. To eradicate something means to get rid of it, right? Remember that? So eradicate. We've eradicated a lot of things like polio. Thanks, Jenna Salk. Nobody wants polio to come back. Or, you know, smallpox. Our parents in the 1970s all got those big old shots that, that turned into a big, I don't know, blister or something and left that ugly scar. And yeah, they got an ugly scar. But you know what they didn't get? Smallpox. So back to eradication. In order to squash this COVID, we needed to get 90% of Americans fully vaccinated. That means with both vaccines. By, the, by July 4th, the goal was to have 70% of the people having at least their first dose. And we're at 69%, which sounds pretty good, right? But the problem, as with a lot of our problems lately, is the map. I'm sure you all have seen on the news and have talked to your friends and you know that the states and counties that went for Donald Trump tend to be vaccine resistant. And the states and counties that went for, for Joe Biden tend to be highly vaccinated. But I had no idea how clean the overlay is. I'll put this on my website, but it is it's exactly it's exactly the same. And it's not just whether they won. OK, like in Vermont, Biden won 66 percent of the vote. Also, 66 percent of the people are fully vaccinated in Minnesota. Biden won 52 percent of the vote. Also, 52 percent of the people are fully vaccinated. You can flip it upside down. Oklahoma, uh, Trump won 65 percent. Only 39 percent are fully vaccinated. 
Alabama, 64% went for Trump, only 34 are vaccinated. I'll put this stuff on my website because it lines up so perfectly, it will blow your mind. It's crazy. You know what else is crazy? People getting this virus that don't have to. I've got a Facebook friend who posted recently that she'd just been in the hospital for a very lengthy time with COVID. She wasn't vaccinated. She kind of got on to tell everybody, hey, you know, this is for real. This was really bad. I got really sick. But, you know, I serve an awesome God and God pulled me through. And and, and that's great. But it just kind of reminded me of one of my very favorite stories uh, from church. And I especially like it because it shows us that God doesn't always work in obvious ways, or maybe he does. It kind of talks about personal responsibility. You guys all know it. It's the drowning guy, right? So there's a big flood, not Noah's flood. That's a different flood. It's a big flood, and guy ends up on his roof, and he's praying to the Lord to save him. He's getting pretty scared. Then along comes a rowboat. The guy says, get in. I'll take you to shore. No, no, no. I, I'm a Christian. I'm praying to God. He's going to save me. He's, he's got me in the palm of his hand. Thanks anyway, though. Okay, takes off. About an hour later, a motorboat comes by. Water's getting higher. Motorboat comes and says, hey, I need to get you I need to get you to safety. No, 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 no. No, thanks. God's going to save me. Um, I'm good here. Uh, I'm a Christian. I'm praying to God. He's going to save me. All right. Have it your way. Takes off. Helicopter comes. About two hours later, the water's about to overtake the guy. And they said, they dropped the ladder down. Get on. Let's go. And he says, nope. Uh, I'm praying to God. I'm a Christian. Uh, he's got me in the palm of his hand. I serve an awesome God. I'm good to go. So helicopter leaves. Water rises. Guy drowns and dies ends up in heaven, goes up to God in heaven and says, God, what happened? I'm like, I prayed to you and everything. I'm a Christian. I do everything I'm supposed to do. You were supposed to save me. And God goes, well, I sent you a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What else did you need? I kind of feel like this this vaccine is the rowboat, the motorboat, and the helicopter all rolled into one. And if people choose to not take it, it does affect more than just them. I can't, you know, and I also don't like this this sentiment out there of, well, you know, natural selection. If people don't take it, then they deserve to die. I mean, that's not okay either. It's not okay for people to talk like that in this country. There's so much that's not okay. It's not okay. We need to care about our neighbors. Even if our neighbors have whack job, shit crazy ideas, we need to love them anyway. We, that's what we're called to do. So where do we go from here? I mean, the fact is, we'd be far better off if the unvaccinated were scattered evenly throughout the country. That way, the virus would have a better chance of bumping into a dead end every so often instead of bouncing off of unvaccinated person, unvaccinated person, and having all the chances to mutate and change. Also, because the Delta variant is more contagious, like two and a half times more contagious. So what was three people is now six people. The Lambda could be nine people. It's going to be like that shampoo commercial from the 1980s. And if your friends tell you or your family tells you, oh, they've done their research. Uh-huh. They haven't done their research. They've gone on the Internet. And you know who wrote that thing on the Internet? Very likely some guy with a neck beard and a tracksuit from the 1980s sitting in his mom's basement eating a cheese sandwich. You know, a pretty good way to know if research is actually legit or not might be the source, first of all. Um, I would I would consider that carefully. Also, misusing of the words there, there, and there. If you get those confused, it's a, uh, that's a red flag. Other misspellings or maybe pie charts drawn in crayon, also a thing you should maybe watch for. So <laughs> I'm being silly. Truthfully, a lot of the stuff on the internet is very convincing. So make sure that your older friends and family um, don't get confused and mistake absolute fiction for fact. A big internet rumor right now is that the vaccine causes infertility. Now, obviously, we don't know what the long-term implications of vaccines are for any of this stuff or or the long-term implications of getting a virus. The good news is we do have people who've done actual research. 
The researchers and the scientists. See, this isn't the first coronavirus. These guys have been working on this for a very long time, long before we knew about COVID. And there's no evidence that it causes infertility. But do you know what causes infertility 100% of the time in every case study in every country in the world? Deadness. Being dead. If you're dead, infertility is kind of the last of your concerns, right? I mean, I'm sorry. I guess I'm sorry, not sorry. I'm not being facetious here. I mean, it's almost like y'all, some of you don't understand that this is serious business. People are getting this that shouldn't get it. Kids are getting it. Younger people are starting to get really sick. And what about the kids who aren't even vaccinated yet? Does anybody care about them? Does anybody care that there's going to be like generations of kids who go to school year after year in masks? Because this is going to take years. And they'll get to like they'll graduate from high school and be like, I didn't know you were in my graduating class. Well, maybe because you never saw the bottom half of my face. Here's the thing, people. It's not just about your personal rights. It's about your responsibilities. And this is where I come back to the party that I worked for my whole life. We used to be the party of personal responsibility. And somewhere along the line in the last five years, we've become the party of get off of my lawn. So here's the deal. If you don't want to take a vaccine or you don't want to pay taxes or you don't want to participate in society, do us all a favor and just don't. I mean, seriously, like go off the grid, move to Alaska, disappear, like go up there, live off the land, like eat caribou and mallard and geese and whatever they eat up there, whale. I don't know. Don't get vaccinated. Don't do anything. Don't talk to another human being. Don't use public roads or schools or hospitals. That's fine. Go. But if you want to live in a society where you want to have the benefits of society, you have to submit to the rules. You have to submit to what's good for the community, for everyone, not just you. Oh, and also the Bible. The Bible you guys like to throw around and use as a weapon, it also has a bunch of stuff in there about loving your neighbor and caring for the least of these. I think you skipped over all that stuff. You just went from the Old Testament stuff straight to Revelation. Oh, Lordy. Let me give you your second pushback of the day, and this is the most important pushback we may ever give you. And this is a call to action. Full FDA approval is right around the corner. I mean, it's it's weeks, if not days, probably more like days. And, you know, we can, we can move this needle. You can move this needle. Here's the thing. Of all the things that you have the most influence over, it's your friends and your family. And I know that a lot of people that listen to this podcast live in Texas and Oklahoma and the South, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, you live in places that really have these hot pockets where people are going to get sick and some people, somebody is going to die that you love. So if we could get rid of this thing, we can be done with it. We can be done with the masks. We can be done with the, with the distancing and the nonsense. We can be done with COVID. Got one last thing for you. Let's talk about the Olympics. Since the whole wide world's talking about Simone Biles, let's start there. Um, I bet you can imagine how I feel about her. Uh, She's a badass. Um, I also had some, like, maybe a few tips and advice for people that feel the need to armchair quarterback or coach her uh, decisions from their perch on high. Um, I'll put that on my website, too. But, you know, in a nutshell, she was already a champion. She didn't have anything to prove. And I think that the lessons that she taught us um, about self-care and self uh, being in tune with your brain and your body and knowing when you need to say, knowing when you need to pull away and say no, that's that's a lesson that we all le- need to learn, especially our kids. And that's something you rarely see on the level, on, on the Olympic level. And I think it's groundbreaking and I think it's wonderful. And I think she's very, very brave. 
She knew she'd get criticized. I don't know that anybody thought she'd get called lazy because, um, <laughs> okay. Americans love the impossible odd story. The guy who broke his leg and played the game and finished and, you know, pushed through the pain and all that. But they never show the flip side of that story. When somebody plays through the pain, it ends up like that guy on Monty Python. Look, you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look, just a flesh wound. I'm sorry, but that's one of the funniest scenes of all time. Look, my point is life is long and it's a lot bigger than being an Olympic champion. The other thing Simone did was the very best thing for her team, which was take herself out of it when she knew she couldn't perform at her best. And she gave other people a chance. We're not talking about all the other Olympians that we should be talking about that are shining. Suni Lee, you know, Katie Ledecky, Lily King, and not just the girls. I mean, Bobby Frick and, Ka- and Caleb Dressel. And I'm not, even a, I'm not even a sports person. But this is great, y'all. This is exciting. And the fact is, the Olympics are when we used to be able to all come together and root for the same thing, the same team. Can we please not turn everything into us and them? It's Team USA. Can we all root for Team USA, please? How about we all be a little bit less Donald Trump and a whole lot more Ted Lasso? And on that note, I think I'll wrap us up. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for reaching out and inquiring about when I would be back in the studio slash closet. Um, I'm happy to be back. Next week, we're going to cover the um, Insurrection uh, Commission, and I'm going to try to find a way to make it funny and or positive. And that is my own personal challenge to my own self. Um, not going to be that easy. If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, please see it. Be a goldfish, y'all. Okay, I'm going to play us out instead of listening to Zoomps, who, by the way, if you live in the Southeast, is coming to a city near you. I'm going to play us out with our friend Thomas Dolby with one of the world's worst songs that you cannot help but dance to.